Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is founder of a company that I spent a lot of money with on all types of swag. Anthony Constantino is the co-founder of Sticker Mule, a custom printing company that's taken the internet by storm. The creator of an award-winning hot sauce that he created as a joke, and we'll get to that story. And most recently, an active professional boxer. And his latest project outside of the ring has the potential to be his most impactful. At the tail end of last year, he launched Stimulus, a social network that replaces advertising with giveaways. And he's out to build a more authentic, happy, and useful social network right when the world needs it most. So let's get to it. I have a ton to cover. Let's jump in the ring. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Well, awesome, man. And and before we jumped on, we, I was literally doing a show and tell of all my my sticker mule swag, and we'll get to that story in a minute here. But let's let's hit the rewind button. Um, I want to take people back uh, back to the start here. And I'm not sure how many people know that you actually ran a business called Noteworthy Industries, which your father created in 1954. Um, and unfortunately, your, your dad passed uh, when you were eight. Um, we remember though, like about working with him and growing up even when you were little. What are some of those early memories, if, you don't, if, if you'd like to share with us? I've never got this question before. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know what happened. You know, my, I think my dad had a sense that he was going to pass away. So I, I spent a lot of time with my dad, you know, prior to passing, but, you know, mostly just following him around, wandering around the office, wandering around the factory, opening up mail and, and talking about life. But, uh, yeah, I've never had this topic before, but I could tell, you know, he, he passed when I was eight and, uh, I tell some people it's, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe a uh, fortunate way for things to go. Cause like when you're a kid and your father passes away, you're, you know, you say, mom, what happened to dad? He said, oh, he's in heaven now. And you just, you know, you go on in life. But yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. Yeah, and, and I, and I, and I don't mean to, you know, go too back into the past, but this is, this is your journey. This is your story. Um, and it really kind of leads as as we'll get sure. into it how that has really helped to to transform your life and I, and I and I read that noteworthy industries it's some of the same things that sticker mill does say like bumper stickers and non-woven totes notepads plastic bags folders all that kind of stuff there but what what's what's the 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 difference in the in the in the two in the two companies well you know when I when I hopped out of college I got the fortune my dad passed when I was 8 so the company you know fortunately had a, a you know decent leadership for a while and then they they retired and when I popped out of college, I was like lucky enough to walk into a bankruptcy situation. So hmm. I spent, you know, a handful of years of my life navigating bankruptcy and, and uh, you know, hating business. Fun way to start your career, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have to meet, um, you know, I was 20 some years old and I would have to, you know, meet with bankers every few months and convince them because we were technically in uh, a position where they could have forced them to bankruptcy or out of uh, compliance with terms of a loan agreement. 
And so they were debating, you know, requesting our money back. Because when you get into a, a bankruptcy situation, the banks want to force you into bankruptcy before all your assets are gone. So they were debating, should we, you know, call on the loan and, and, mm-hmm. and call the day of this company or, or let them try to survive it? And uh, yeah, that was a fun experience. Three months, you know, every three months meeting with bankers as a kid and, and telling them to trust me. And, and uh, I got this, you know, we'll, right? We'll get through it. Yeah, yeah, I'll get through it. So. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't... Uh didn't noteworthy roll into sticker mule at some point. So the company, you know, and it's, I, I ended up being able to stabilize it. Um, it was a much smaller, you know, I ended up to being able to stabilize it and we eventually ended up acquiring it. That's pretty cool. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Right? Like you, you mentioned before that, you know, you're in your young in early twenties and you're dealing with lawyers and bankers and all that kind of stuff. Looking back on you, like this shit sucked. Like, I can't believe I had to deal that. But now looking back on it, you're like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm thankful for a couple of lessons here that I had to learn the hard way back then because it's really, uh, you know, fortified you as a business person. Now, what are a couple of those lessons? Uh, you know, don't let your costs get out of control. You know, we were, you know, I, I had to cut costs like a crazy person. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with a bankruptcy situation, like, you know, that's it, all it, the bank wants to know they're going to get their money back. We were in a bunch of markets that had, you know, really no chance of success. Like, um, you know, my father's company was actually in the photo packaging market, you know, making photo. This is people don't even remember this. People barely remember cameras. Yeah. Right. But people used to get cameras developed and you would get your camera developed, it would come in an envelope and we would, we were making the envelope and that quickly went to zero. So, so you guys, you was, guys were making those envelopes that the the pictures came in with the self adhesive, the sticky tape on it. Yeah, we were with the negatives doing, and everything. Yeah, we were doing ten to twelve million a year in, in envelope wow. sales, and uh, yeah, and so yeah, that quickly went to zero, which isn't a fun situation to go. And it also happened around the same time as the two thousand eight recession. So we got hit with a a dead product line and in uh, a recession at the same time. Wow. So we lost, it, uh, we, we over like a three or four year period, we lost 70 or 70, 70, 80% of our sales. It was, it was, it was, there was no winning, you know? So where, where was that innovation point? Where was that? Like, did you feel like, it, like looking back on it now, it was like, shit, we had to hit rock bottom to innovate and, and morph into this, this new company. Like, how did that happen? Well, it didn't morph. I set it up, we, I set it up separately because, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I was, the ownership structure was different. Bankruptcy. The ownership structure was different. You know, the banks were concerned and we actually didn't even tell any of our employees that we had set up a separate company because uh, that I was setting up a separate company because I had to dual manage both and I didn't want to scare them that the one company was going to fail. You know, because you're saying, hey, I'm going to start a new company. Your existing employees, you're like, well, geez, we've already gone through hell. Now you're <laughs> now you're running away. So I ran both companies for you know a period, a period of time until we eventually stepped in and acquired the other. We, we acquired uh, my father's company and, and um and, and basically shut it down. We acquired it and shut it down and absorbed all the employees because at that point, Sticker Mill was growing to a point where we wanted the uh, staff and we wanted building space. So we, we basically bought the buildings and, and the staff. In- interesting. And let's, let's kind of take a, a pause and a step back there and, and keep me straight with the story here. Your, your brother's mm-hmm. godfather actually ended up being a very close family friend and he had a background well, in manufacturing. How'd you, uh, you get all this? This is impressive. Yeah. And, and he would become right. your co-founder. So let's, let's hear a little bit about how he helped uh, guide. Hey, listen, man, like if, if we're going to, if we're going to do this show, if we're going to do anything, yeah. we do it right. And I want to yeah, have a you, good conversation. I'm impressed that you, you know, if, if you uh, got this information, I didn't know it was out there, but uh, well, listen, man, no, my, my, that, um, yeah, yeah. I was That's just gonna give a shout out to my show producer Chris, who who really does. He does a good uh, job. Yeah, he does a good job. So yeah, you know my my uh, my dad passed away, and and one of his friends was you know my dad's my brother's godfather, and he he actually you know sort of 
ended up becoming my, my main, you know, guardian, uh, you know, and, and looking after me and, and my math tutor in high school because I would screw up in school and he would step in and save me. He was a math genius and um, eventually he, he was a, he, his hobby was betting horses. Hmm. You like the ponies. Yeah. And, uh, he was, well, and he was, he's effective at it. He makes 30 to 50 grand a year betting horses. And, uh, so you know what he was people, doing? Yeah. Not many people can do that, but he was, you know, very strong at math and so on and so forth. So it was, uh, 2010, right. Just before Christmas. And he had got a computer because he did all his horse handicapping, um, you know, pen and paper. And he heard that you could get the statistics that he used online for, for, for a discounted price. So he got a computer and he was showing me his computer. And, uh, and I just started talking about, you know, the idea of starting an internet manufacturing company because it was, it was stressful for me. Like I, I had to go through a bankruptcy situation and, um, I had no control over sales. Like manufacturers don't have control over sales. They, uh, they depend on distribution networks. They depend on sale. You know, I wasn't, uh, they depend on salespeople. They depend on distribution network, stuff like that. So as the company was dying, I, I really had no easy way to step in and, 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 and fix it. Um, we also had a dead product line. But so I said, you know, if we were online, we would have control over sales and manufacturing and it'd be a better, more um, aligned environment. So he said to me, well, it was his first time using a computer. He said, what the hell do people even do on the internet? And uh, I showed him Zazzle and Cafe mm -hmm. Press. And he said, uh, okay, that's great. It was like six o'clock at night. And he said, that's great. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going home. He didn't look interested in the conversation at all. And, uh, he came and saw me the next day at nine in the morning. He had a notepad and, you know, word for word said to me, uh, Anthony, I stayed up all night uh, with a bottle of vodka and thought about our conversation, decided we got to start an internet company together. And, uh, I said, uh, you know, I got a lot going on maybe in a year or so. And he said, <laughs> word for word, he said, no, 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 no. You're, you showed me the internet last night. You're already five years too late. We got to start right now. He said, I'll fund it. But you gotta decide if you want to do it or not. Wow. And uh so I decided that day and, and we, we went and launched the company. Um the company launched three months later after that. So for a while and then I you know, I saw for a while I did double duty uh handling two operations. Where did the name Sticker Mule come from? Speed. You know, probably like so we we you know we went home and uh we got a lawyer the next week and I want to, you know, we got a lawyer the next week and he was in his eighties at the time. And he, he walked <laughs> in, he said, Dick, me and Anthony are here to start an internet company together. And, and Dick said, the internet, my grandkids say that thing's phenomenal. I'd love to help you guys. And so <laughs> he got us incorporated and we, he got us a uh, account and we didn't want to use the same accounts because we, we were keeping the situation confidential. And, um, and so he got us all set up and then I said, geez, we need software developers. And so I said, I saw these guys that look interesting. They got a, a phone number on their website. So we called the number and the guy, the, the CEO of the software development firm answered and, and, uh, he said, what do you, what can I do for you guys? He said, well, we're looking to start an internet manufacturing company. And he said, well, what are you looking to sell? We said, we're not sure yet. And he said, what are you looking to spend? And we said, we've, and, you know, Tom intervened and he was in his seventies and you could tell. And he said, you know, we've never done anything on the internet before. We could, we were hoping you could advise us what price makes sense. And the guy goes, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I get a lot of weirdos calling and, and you guys don't know what you want to sell and you don't know what your price is. I think I got to, you know, I got to pass on talking to you and, and this call. And we just said, uh, you know, we could spend a hundred grand. And the guy goes, okay, I'm in DC. I can meet you next week. So we went down and met him the next week and he's in, we still didn't have a name. We still didn't have a product. And he said, geez, I gotta be honest. I really like you guys. Uh, you're, you're, you're weird, but I really like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Weird and, uh, yeah he said you know i could get started on this in two weeks but you gotta figure out what the hell you want to do so we just 
threw around a bunch of names. And at the time you needed, um, you know, it's not easy to get a domain name. So, you know, we came yeah, up with the GoDaddy idea. GoDaddy wasn't in full bloom yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't, there was like a lot, it wasn't easy to get a good one. You know, a lot of good names were already taken. So we said, let's do uh, product plus animal. You know, animals are funny. So we just threw a bunch of things around and, and uh, we actually originally called the company Print Bear because we thought we, we weren't really sure what we were going to sell. And then we, um, we ended up going with Sticker Mill. I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, the sticker, the sticker culture is massive. Mm -hmm. The sticker culture, and I'm, I'm big in the in the Web three space. And you go to any of these events, every product, every brand has stickers. They're giving them out there everywhere. The back of my computer is littered with stickers. My refrigerator, my office here is littered with stickers. My kids have stickers everywhere. And now today, I mean, today Sticker Mule seems completely synonymous with that whole category of custom branding. And it feels like it's a very mainstream product and, and practice like and, and and it's affordable too let's talk a little bit about like the 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 pricing behind it and the other piece that i love too is some marketing because it's so simple and i literally sure. love getting my simple text messages and text emails you know where where'd all that come from you just stumble on things a little by little we didn't know anything about internet marketing we didn't know anything about software development um we didn't know anything about anything and it just sort of i don't know you just you just learn things as you go but, you know, you try things, you see what works. Man, my, my co-founder has the processes, you know, that I use. and just, You just write ideas down and you try them. And some of them work and some of them don't. And I said, since, you know, in, in the whole process growing the company, we never knew what was going to work and what wasn't. Some of the best ideas we had, we thought were going to be huge winners. And some of the worst, had, you know, some ideas that we thought were going to be nothing turned into, you know, big winners for us. So over time, we decided, you know, we realized, like, email marketing is a big winner for us. SMS is becoming a more popular way, you know, popular way of marketing as well, stuff like that. And uh, we always like having fun. So we inject a lot of humor. We try to inject humor into the, well, let's, into the let's, let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about humor for a moment here. And again, we go deep and I heard one of the things that you did better to do better at copywriting was trying stand up. How'd that go? That went well, you know, I tend, yeah. yeah so yeah, that one, you know, like a lot of things I do are spontaneous, you know, that, that wasn't even nothing to, to, to do with that. I had a friend that was, uh, had a, you know, had, had been, had a dreams of becoming a comedian and he wanted to go to, to go to comedy school. And he said, would you mind going with me? So I got nothing better to do. So I went, I went to comedy school and, and, uh, you know, went well, I, I performed a few times after that, I did stand up and, uh, you know, it went well, my brief career in stand up went well, but, uh, it was a great experience for copywriting. I tell everyone, since I did, I tell everyone what you should get, if you want to get better at writing, do, do, do comedy school. I'll, and and improv school too. I've I've done a couple of improv, improv classes, yeah. and and I think that kind of really has fueled me for being a podcast host because I could just be on the cuff and I could change things and I can move directions yep. from that. It's so it's so interesting the 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 comedy side of it. Who who are um who do, who do you model your your comedic stylings after? Who are some of your comedic uh, inspirations? Can't say I have one in particular. Well, no, come on, man. Every comic is like I'm a I'm a horror <laughs> guy, I'm a Seinfeld guy, I'm a George would, Carlin guy. I'm gonna be honest with you. I really, you know, I oh, you know, my favorite comedian was Eddie Murphy, but uh, I can't say I'm anything like Eddie Murphy. So, yeah, you know, I was that was weird. Like through the whole process, I did watch my our, our watch Jerry do a special Jerry Seinfeld a special. I think it's on Netflix and it's worth watching where he goes through the process of uh, coming up with a routine. The yellow notepads, miles yeah. and stacks. And uh, that was very helpful to see because, you know, you saw through that process that as Jerry Seinfeld was putting it out of routine, even, even he struggled. And uh, my, my, my teacher was a friend with Jerry. And uh, he said one day, Jerry, he would tell all these my, my teacher was actually the head writer for, uh, I, just by dumb luck, because I live in the middle of nowhere. My, our, our teacher was the head writer for Jay Leno. Wow. And, and he comes up to 
where I, in my area, cause he's got family or something. I don't know what he was doing just here. Worked but, out well. Yeah. But he had a, so he know a lot of famous comedians and stuff like that, but he told a story about Jerry Seinfeld where Jerry invited him to, to, to a set. And he said, um, I watched the whole set. Jerry said, what do you think? And he goes, I'm confused. You don't tell any jokes. <laughs> and he said, I know. He goes, I wanted to show you how important it is to have stage presence and confidence. And he goes, he goes, I convinced the audience I was saying jokes. They didn't even, the audience was confused. He's like, I confused them because I was so confident. And uh, so, yeah, he, that was, oh, that day we had a lesson about, you know, stage presence and confidence and stuff like that. But, uh, wow. you know, but then Jerry did that um, Netflix special where you see him struggling to put together his set and people not being happy with some of his routines at times. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a good uh, eye opener as well. You know, yeah, everyone I mean, starts it's a, somewhere. Right. It's, it's even the, the best struggle, even the best it's, struggle. Right. And I, and I think that was so vulnerable about Jerry, too, because there's some comedians that just go up there and, and wing it and yeah. or they just or they kind of have it in their head and they work it out in, in smaller clubs before they do like a, a big show and they, they, they workshop it and they test it out the material. I mean, there's a classic stories in, in New York City, a comedy seller. You could be there on a random Wednesday night and you'll have freaking Kevin Hart and Jerry Seinfeld walk in. Right. Mm-hmm. Like because they're coming there just to, to, to workshop shit, which is which is in- incredible from that, too. But like understanding the process, understanding that like these people at the highest level of success at the top of the mountain in their career have all put in the work one way yep. or another. And, and that's how they get there. So, you know, looking at a company now, you've been running it for for a number of years. What, what has been that, that biggest challenge as far as managing people like a challenge and a lesson learned that you had to like work on yourself? I'm going to say, this doesn't sound weird. I'm going to say this, but you know, I like some, sometimes you get natural things come to you naturally. And, uh, for whatever reason, like managing people was never something I, I personally struggle with. You know, I have a problem, I have a problem where like, if I do figure out how to do something that seems difficult, I give away the secrets. So, you know, I learned how to do comedy. I, 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 and once I learned it, I did really well. And, you know, I could, I could perform in front of people and do fairly well. And then people are, wow, it's so impressive. And I, I'd start breaking down all the secrets and telling everyone they could do it too. Um, same thing with boxing, but, um, you know, it's called the abundancy model, right? Like that's the abundancy model, the abundancy Mm -hmm. mindset, I should say that why should I keep all the information I know to myself when I could share it with other people and make everybody better? Yeah. And I like, it's like like, a lot of things aren't as hard as they seem once you understand the mechanics of how to do it. Like, um, you know, like with comedy, you, you spend a lot of time writing (laughs) and then you're basically performing a semi-memorized routine that you invested a lot of time in writing and you tested your jokes out on people and you know you verified that they work so when you get up there you look great and you give the impression to the audience that you're freestyling it but most of the comedians aren't doing that so yeah i'll give secrets away you know in terms of managing people um i wish i could say what i figured out but like that that sort of came um you know that, that just sort of came natural to me i don't i don't know how to how to how to describe it, but uh, it's sort of yeah, natural. no, that's that that's that's pretty cool, and I, and I want to talk about a couple things that stick in me. And I'm curious about what 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 what's like that number one product that you didn't think was going to move at all off the shelves, but somebody like shit, I cannot believe we we how do we even keep these things in stock? Uh buttons, but that's like, we were talking about that before. You know, yeah. we had a we had a period of two years where buttons were just selling like crazy. Here's my button jar for everybody. Yeah, everybody yeah. watching this on YouTube. Here's my I'm shaking my button jar for anyone for the audio effect. The audio experience we have sound effects on the podcast i'm an overly honest person but um holding my stickers so, magnets too. <laughs> yeah i'm overly honest so i'll tell you I, I, I was telling you earlier like buttons are not all that um popular at you know but they're not our most popular but there was a period where they just went nuts and i couldn't tell you why it was, they were just the, the sales were just doubling for no reason that's crazy 
But uh, I don't know what it was. And then the pandemic put an end to that. And now buttons have kind of calmed down. But um, yeah, that was one of our biggest. We had because we were in buttons for years and all of a sudden it just exploded. So, yeah, you never know. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and craving more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How did, how did the hot sauce come about? How did, how did, how did that, like, where, where did that, like, I'd love to hear the hot sauce story and then how did it end up in, in, in all the uh, orders? Well, orders over a certain amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to uh, embrace, you know, serendipitous moments, just strength. You know, like, it's like really, uh, you know, creating sticker mill was, it just came out of nowhere. We didn't expect to do it, but, you know, we jumped on it. And one day I, I, I was talking to somebody once, the, a partner of ours, and I said, I get lucky a lot. And he said, it's not that you get lucky a lot. He said, everyone gets lucky. He's like, but you always grab on your good luck. He's like, you never let it pass you by. And so, yeah, we, we were just had a random conversation about, we, we about hot sauce. We had done a hamburger day for, for the city to try to, as a recruiting event to get factory workers. And uh, we come up with our own sauce for the event because we wanted to impress people and show our commitment to quality and say, even if we're going to make hamburgers, we're going to make our own sauce. It's going to be really good and yada, yada, yada. So after the event, um, you know, our, one of our sales, our VP of sales had just said, you know, we should do, um, a hot sauce and sell it. And, um, we, and I said, yeah, we should. And he's like, what the hell? And I'm joking. I said, no, it's a good idea. We should do it because hot sauce is something, if you like it, it's very memorable. It's in your, mm-hmm. it's on your table. You see it every day. You can't forget it. And so I said, imagine having a product where it's just on somebody's kitchen table or it's in a refrigerator. That's really cool. We should be able to do it. And I said, and, and I like comedy. It's funny. It makes you more memorable. And so, yes, yeah, sticker company selling hot sauce is funny. And so I said, we could do it, but we have to actually make the best hot sauce. Like that has to actually, yeah, it has be, to be a good quality product. Yeah, it has to be incredible because it's funnier if it's incredible. Because it's like anyone, <laughs> any company could be like, oh, we made a hot sauce and you try it. You know, it's gross. But yeah, it's, it's very funny company. to say, you know, my favorite hot sauce is made by a sticker company or that, you know. So, so we put a year into, um, you know, researching recipes and, and coming up with formulations and whatever. And we finally came up with one that's pretty good. It just won uh, best hot sauce in a blind taste test against 450 other hot sauces. That's crazy. Um, what, a, yeah. what a great story. Mm-hmm. So that was all our team. You know, I just, for me, it was just, uh, we had that quick conversation and, 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 uh, yeah, and it's a fun sales great. incentive too. Like most people like hot sauce. Yeah, it's great. So we put it in every order. If you spend over, you know, spend over a hundred dollars, you get it. It's a great incentive to, to, you know, relatively low cost production. Yeah. It's not that hard. You know, once you figure out how to make hot sauce, yeah, the, the, the expense in hot sauce is figuring out how to make a good one. It's not that hard. You know, it's not that expensive to make once you know how to do it. But you had but, outsourced uh, right to a co-packer, right? You didn't have, you don't have the, the yeah. So we were, we were, we were going to make our own hot sauce factory. We were like very close to doing it, and um, we ended up turning the building into a gym instead. You know, <laughs> a meal fitness shirt. So the we have one community gym in uh, in my town, and it closed. Hmm. And I and when I called the owner, and he, he said, "Well, I tried to convince him to keep it open because it was where our employees went." 
and uh, he refused, but he said, I, I basically, you know, sell you to everything for next to nothing. So we ended up cl- closing down the hassle. It was all set up. We had machines and everything and whatever, but uh, we ended up ripping out all the machines and, and having a gym instead. I figured, that's, yeah. That's a crazy story there. And that's another thing about looking out for your employees. I mean, that came naturally. It was like, none of these things are forced that you're doing. They're all coming organically and everything's coming up, Anthony, there. So let's talk about fitness. Let's continue that boxing. Um, and you're not just, you know, you're, you're getting into this, man. You're, you're, you're right. You're, you're competing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your boxing journey. Where'd that come from? Yeah. It, everything's, you know, I, 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 well, I always said that like, because I graduated college and, you know, I, I walked into a bankruptcy situation. I got plunged into the business world for like five years and that wasn't a fun experience. So I kind of hated the business world and, and uh, it wasn't really what I, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it. So I messed around boxing a little bit when I was younger. I wrestled when I was younger. I like combat sports. I have like a lot of fun doing them. And um, so I always complained. I didn't like business. And, uh, you know, at a certain point I started just trying different things. I did the stand-up comedy and, and, uh, and I did a few other things and I, I stepped into boxing one day and I had a lot of fun with it. I didn't have any hobbies at the time because all I did was work. And so I tried a bunch of things out and I, and the boxing just made me the happiest. Um, you know, I played poker and done, I don't know, I've had a few, but I just loved it. I don't know why. And I think like people that don't like, especially maybe business people, CEOs, they get overly obsessed with work. Um, they, they don't know what else to do. And it's like, you got to just try things and everyone's different. You know, some people are going to cook and they're just going to have a passion for cooking. And some people are going to maybe do stand. Like my friend did stand up and, and he did it with me. And, and he was just so happy when he did stand up, like he hit the applause and the attention. And, and I actually had a good set a few times and people loved what I did. And I felt no emotion from it. I didn't feel That's so anything. interesting. You, you had a different feeling than your friend. Like it wasn't as rewarding to you. You were almost more yeah. rewarded of the process that you were able to do it. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You were. I like this. Yeah, it was very. Yeah, I loved learning it, and I like. I recommend everyone do it, and I like injecting it into things I do at work. But um, yeah, the, the actually performing in front of people, even performing and doing well, it didn't really. It didn't do anything for me. But um, I I randomly got diff before I boxed. I randomly got there to go to a wrestling tournament. I'm 30. I wrestled. I stopped wrestling when I was 17 years old. My, my coach's kids were wrestling and he said, why don't you come? There's an adult division. It was adult nationals. Hmm. They chuck. It was uh, anyway. So I went having not done any competitive sports for 17 years with no, and I had no training and I ended up winning a match. <laughs> you just jumped and, right in. And the rush I got was so big. And I had done that right after the comedy and I got such a rush from it. I was like, this is what I really, I, I really, always regretted not going that route in life. And so then shortly after that, I started, I was, I started boxing and, and I, I, I had a similar enthusiasm for it. And it's like, everyone needs something that they like, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's a conflicting thing because people don't like it. They say it distracts me from work, but it, it's fun and it gives me a sense of enthusiasm. Right. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's an outlet. And I truly think you, you need to have that balance and it, you have a great story, man. You know, this is, this yeah. is why I love doing the show, right? Like we're, we're, we're chatting about your story. I'm learning so much more about you. My audience is learning a, a ton about you. And it's interesting to see how, where people come from that run a mm-hmm. successful company because it wasn't always successful. In fact, it was yeah. the opposite of that. And you brought that back um, to, to where it is now. And uh, I want to finish off the Stick and Mule story for a moment here. What, what are you most optimistic for in the future as far as the Stick and Mule business? What's, what are those green flags in front of you that you're like, fuck, I, I, these are, 
we're building, we're growing. This is awesome. Like what, what, what makes you excited about the business? Uh, we're in a great position. And like I tell people, like Sigma is more of a technology company. Well, we're a great manufacturing company, but uh, you know, we're, we're a surprisingly strong technology company. Um, we have an incredible tech team. And yeah, the back end is so easy, dude. And we just, let me, mm-hmm. let me just jump in here for one, one second here for any, and this is my, my plug here. Cause I am a customer. I'm an actual customer for, for about four, four years now, I think. Um, the experience is flawless. And I'm telling you mm-hmm. this as a customer, the experience is flawless. The proofs come to you on text and email. You see everything, you're approving it. So there's the technology that you guys built behind that. I've tried other things and you're waiting for days and you're getting a PDF. And yeah. like, what is this? I don't know how to use it. The experience is flawless. It's clean. The UI UX is clean. It's simple. It's easy to use. By the way, I'll order stickers. I literally will get them 48 hours later sometimes. That's not every time, right? But I'm like, the next day, I get my cool little envelope. I know what that is. That brown envelope's in the mail. I know, I know what I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. And so I want to give kudos out there for, for the team behind that. And, and we see that and we recognize that as a customer. So thank you. Yeah. So no, very, I'm very, very excited for, uh, to flex our muscle in the tech space and do, and do more exciting stuff with our tech team. We're, lo- we're looking at strongly growing our software engineering team, possibly doubling it in the next 12 months. So, you know, the tech world's going through a bit of a crisis right now. Everyone's doing layoffs, but we're hiring like crazy. And, um, we're, we're, you know, we're looking to do more and more. So well, really excited. I say like, you know, our, our goal is um, innovation above all else. So we're, we're, we're just excited to, to and I don't want to do more cool things. I don't want to see a lot of stuff I can't pre-announce, but we're going to be doing. Well, I was, I was about stuff. to say, like, I don't need you to give away all the secrets here, but like, is there, is there thoughts of, of how do you, you know, license your technology for other, other applications and other companies and selling out the tech? Um, we haven't thought, no, no, more so like I think people are going to see, you know, t- see in general that we're building a lot on top of Sticker Mill. We're going to be building a lot more tools to help our customers and a lot, a lot more tools to make people's lives better. And, uh, you know, we'll get into, you know, hopefully we'll talk a little bit about we're, we're creating a product called uh, Stimulus, which is an interesting social network. And the idea there is to help people make more money. But we're also looking at ways. We're Let's, looking at ways on the sticker mill side to also help people make more make more money off of us. Right. So people like right now are buying through us, and and but we're looking at some pretty cool ways to help our customers actually um earn money working for us, which I think is a exciting thing to solve. There it is, right? Like, how are you empowering the creator economy? Right, that's really mm-hmm. what it's about. To your create, you know, small entrepreneurs, small business owners, mom and pop shops. This is our swag. This is our merchandise. Mm-hmm. And I will give one piece of feedback. I know you tested those t-shirts. Yes. The the first one, yeah, it was not so good. We, you know, yeah, yeah. We give me real time feedback. They weren't. I, I'm, a, I'm a soft t shirt guy, and I know you're probably figuring out the process, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I'm just unpacking it here and giving real time yeah. feedback. And I knew that too when it came because that's why I ordered one, and that's why you did it at a low cost because you're probably testing it out, mm-hmm. whatever machines you were using and everything. But that's part of the test and learn process and solicit feedback. And what you guys do, you solicit yeah. feedback from the customers. And yep. we got it. I wasn't like, oh my god, I ordered a thousand t shirts and they all suck and I hate them and now I hate this company. No, you're like. Let's put a couple of them out and, and give it a shot. Yeah, exactly. We have a process for, yeah, you're never going to go into anything perfect. So yeah, we like when we start doing something new, we do crazy deals, low prices. That way if there's a problem, you know, we get feedback and, you know, no, he's too, too angry when you get a great deal. So, no. uh, you know, we're learning very quickly on t-shirts too, and we're doing more, more, and more exciting stuff there. It's all about soft tees, man. It's all about that printing. It's that, that touch and feel. So let's, yeah. let's talk, let's talk about stimulus for a minute there. And it's pretty commonly known how bad social media is for people these days. And many people probably wish there was a healthier platform available, but starting one that's going to compete with the established big boys and girls out there seems like a monumental task. Um, and I want to talk about the, the, the coming verification revolution. And, and we saw that on sure. Meta was introduced last week with their blue check, which I think is, 
I mean, I have my own thoughts on it too. It's like, I, I get it. Like this is a verified account and all that, but talk to us a little bit about what stimulus is and what was the impetus behind stimulus. Uh, the impetus there was the, I was anti-social media, the whole history of uh, sticker mill. I was like, you gotta do social media. It's crazy. People are like, you gotta do social media. How do you, they say, oh, you guys are doing really well. You must do a lot of stuff on social media. So we do almost nothing on social media. After, you know, maybe eight to X number, you know, eight or nine years in, in business, like I finally said, okay, I'll listen to somebody. We'll try to be successful on social media. And, and uh, they wanted to be successful on Twitter. And I said, so we were messing around on area 30,000 followers. And I said, look, I think it's a waste of time unless we can get to a million followers. So we put together a strategy to, 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 to do that. And there was a period in time just before the pandemic where we were, we were getting an average of 500,000 impressions per tweet, which is a massive That's number. Because now it's, it's, yeah, and we were growing 30 to 40,000 followers a month. So we went from very quickly from uh, having, uh, whatever, 30,000 followers to almost 200,000 followers. And in the process, I saw the dark, you know, dark side of Twitter and all the negativity there. And like what we saw is Twitter really was designed, and, and it's honestly, it's getting a little bit better, but like Twitter was designed that you had to be negative in order to win the day. So you're on there, you want to get attention. And, it's and controversial. Only, you had to be controversial or you're not going to get attention. There was, that was the only way to really do it. And, um, you know, at the same time, so Twitter, I, as I viewed it, like they're pushing everyone to be controversial. And at the same time, they're putting all the blame on the users and trying to, you know, say, oh, there's all these problems in society. We have, you know, people are really bad people. We got to ban all these people. We got to do all this stuff. Like, and I'm like, well, you, you create a game where you say the only way to play the game is to be negative. And obviously people playing the game want to win. So they're just playing by your, you know, they're just exploiting your game mechanics to try to succeed and in, and in the process becoming, you know, worse versions of themselves because you're on there tweeting nasty things that aren't in character. So true, man. For who you are. And so I said, people on social media, they want attention. They need a different lever to get attention. They need to have a positive lever. So stimulus is a social network that gives you a new lever to get attention, which is to have run integrated giveaways and integrated giveaways are a positive lever. You don't need to come on here and, and say nasty things to get get attention for yourself, you can attach a giveaway to your post and, and you're going to get a lot of attention doing something positive and you're, and you're winning. The players in the game are winning because they're getting what they want, which is attention. And somebody on the other end is winning too, because, um, you know, they're winning the giveaway and, you know, society as a whole, hopefully is winning because we're, we're replacing all that toxic toxicity and negativity with, you know, more positive, fun, happy interactions. Um, in, the process, in the process in order to make that work, we, you know, we, we have to verify everyone because, you have to have uh, integrated verification to have security with the giveaways and, and fight fraud and guarantee that the winners are legitimate and the players are legitimate. So, um, yeah, we launched that about a year ago out of frustration with really with what, you know, Twitter was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so far, it's, you know, it's been off to a nice. There's a lot of challenges to overcome because we're building it from scratch, like some of the other networks that came out in response to Twitter. Um, you know, they just grabbed Mastodon or they grabbed like an open source code base and they're not doing anything really innovative. If you look at all the other Twitter copycats, they're just right. It's like, the same mechanism behind it. They're lame clones of Twitter. There's no innovation. Our so how's this different? Like what's let's talk about the mechanics and the interface. What's, what is it? I mean, if you, I, I'm not saying compare it to something, but to give our sure. listeners a, a point of reference from a UI perspective, what is it going to kind of look like? Is it, is it more of a, of a visual Instagram sure. type feed or is it text-based like a Twitter? So we don't, you know, we don't think it's worth reinventing the wheel when it comes to user interface. I mean, like the, the other networks have done, put tons of years into figuring out what interfaces make sense. And the same thing with e-commerce, there's accepted interfaces that just work, right? Yeah. No one's like redesigning the car all the time. So 
you know, the interface is, is very reminiscent of, of any of the other networks, primarily maybe Twitter or Facebook. But, uh, you know, the innovation comes with integrated ID verification for free. No one else is doing that. The other networks right. are That's now starting. They're now starting to do it. No one had ID verification until we did it. Um, integrated giveaways. No one's doing that. Right. So in integrated financial transactions. So, um, you know, those are, you know. A few unique things we're doing out of the box. Um, we're doing, you know, we're doing more and more. We're doing network with image polls, which is kind of cool. I don't know why no one else thought to do that. Um, and, and where is it more. now? Is it is it in, is it is it launch? Is it in beta? Where is it? Where can people find it? Or oh, we're live. You can just go to stimulus.com, stim.com for short. It'll redirect you. But uh, yeah, we had a period of great growth um, in January, and then we ran into a problem with uh, credit card fraud. So. Believe it or not, even though everyone's verified, we're like, we thought ID verification mm-hmm. is going to solve all fraud. So we're like, well, you can only use the platform if you give us your ID, you verify your real match it to your face. So we, we go through all that. And even despite that, a few people got on and they started using stolen credit cards to try to pass money to their friends. Yep, fraud. And so we, 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 so we, uh, yeah, exactly. So we, um, we put a pause on growth for a little while while we spent the last um, month building you know polishing and building more fraud prevention tools so we're just getting back we're just getting to the point where we have a strong foundation to fight fraud now um cool problem to solve and we're gonna be focused on growth again but we have a very nice community the people there are happy and they're often commenting on like the positivity of the community relative to the other other networks so people that do use it notice um you know notice it's winning versus the other networks like uh i don't know just like a mewe or whatever getter or whatever they're, they're like i said they're really just yep Bad, bad copies of Twitter with no actual innovation. Yeah, really, really nothing there. And and I want to sum it up here. And, and this is something that you talk about all the time. And unpacking all your story and unpacking the sticky mill story and the stick and the and the stimulus story it comes down to what you talk about is less doubting, more doing. How to cultivate an action mindset. And I think that's what it's all about, right? I think you really should have like you you took action. And my, one of my mantras is very simple: just make shit happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I have an idea and I want to do something, everyone's like, "Oh my god, how'd you create this? Why'd you do that?" I'm like. I just do it and I can't sit on it and I need to try it and test it and learn it. And if it fails, it fails. Just, I mean, is that like tattooed across your, your chest and your heart, man? Tell us how that feels to you. Yeah, in a way we, I, I, I work off of principles. So as I started growing the company, I started making principles for, you know, how to run, cause I can't do everything. So I, I was like, we don't, why don't I just make principles that people should follow as a framework for making decisions so that they can kind of, and so our number one principle is time's finite. You know, you, you know, you can't get it back. So you can, always make more money, but you can't get more time. So I hate wasting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, once I realized that people don't realize, you know, you're younger, you think time goes on forever, but eventually realize time's finite. And if there's only 50 weeks in a year, people then say, oh, there's 52. Yeah. Well, we take at least two weeks vacation, you know, four or six, maybe. So there's really at best 50 weeks in a year. If you're wasting weeks and accomplishing nothing, you're not going to get that week back in your business career. You know, you're going to make or break your company in five years, 10 years. So not that many weeks to get to really go from nothing to something. So you, you can't waste time. Can't waste weeks. I agree with you. And time's our most valuable asset too. And I, and mm-hmm. there's nothing worse when somebody wastes your time. That's kind of like one, <laughs> one of my sticking points too. And, and yeah. we, you know, multiple ways to waste people's time. Right. And we, we all know that too. So let, let's, let's bring it home here. I, I love what you built. I love your story and everything that you're doing here. Um, and I, and sharing information back with my audience. So Anthony, what is, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? Again, you know, my co-founder said a long time ago, and it, it relates to the time thing. Like, if, if you if you do more things, you can make more mistakes. So I'm very obsessive about time. 
not wasting it, moving fast, getting a lot done. And, and everyone makes mistakes, but the more you do, the more, the more mistakes you can make and the more positive things you end up doing in the end if that, that determines where you, where you, where you, where you finish. I, I love it. And, and last but not least, you look back, Anthony, you look back on your on your life and you look back at the good times and the bad times and the tough times. And, you know, going back to, you know, being eight years old and, and losing your dad, which I, I can't even imagine and how that shaped your life and how you have had to multiple times in your life, bankruptcy, building a business, dealing with, with hurt and pain. And you've had to reach down deep and harness that inner tenacity to drive you forward. And in the same breath, you sit here and you're proud of the company that you're building. You're, you're empowering the community. You're turning uh, you're putting a gym back out there and you sit here with mm-hmm. gratitude and happiness and, and passion for the things that you're doing in life. Anthony, what is your beacon? What is your compass? What is your North star in life that drives you forward? Mm, fun. I like fun, right? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I like that yep. fun at work and, and, and I think that's been a major asset for me and for the organization. Like I've never taken work too seriously. Um, I do it. And, 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 you know, you have to be serious because you can't not make money. It's an obligation to make money, but like you can't be in life to just make money. And I think like if you look at anyone super successful and there's a lot of people that are more successful than me, they all kind of realize this. Like the, the mid-level success is like, I want to make money, but honestly, like you can't be in it to make money. It sounds like ridiculous. You have to be able to make money and use them and, and you use the money to do cool things. But yeah, my North Star is fun. I try to make the company fun. I try to have as much fun in life as I can. So I do the boxing. I try to make life fun for our employees to the best I can. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it. It's awesome. And that's what it's all about, people. Anthony, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Hang with me one moment here as I sign off. I want everyone to check out StickerMule.com. And I'm going to I'm gonna throw my referral link into the show notes here. I'm a customer. I might as well drive some business there. But tell him you, tell him you heard about it on the podcast. And maybe he'll throw me a, another case of buttons they got lying around. They're like, oh, my pause likes buttons. Let's <laughs> freaking buttons. No, I don't need any more buttons. But definitely check out StickerMule. I am a tremendous fan of and customer of the company and the products there. And check out Stimulus at Stimulus.com backslash Anthony. Check it out, see what's happening there. I want to thank everybody for listening. If this show resonated with you, please share it. Leave a review, rating, sharing means caring. It goes a long way. You can find out more at thepodcast.com. And if you ping me back with a positive review and show it, I will send you some podcast swag from Sticker Mule. I will put an envelope. I'll send it out to you. I got a whole bunch here. I'd love to share it with everybody. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.